It's November 27, 2019, day before Thanksgiving, and I want to wish you all a happy Thanksgiving. And welcome to another edition of Bite Marsh Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and innovation. I'm Bert Lum. First up, we have Kareem Ilassi and Arif Rahman, and they're here to tell us about the recent UH Breakthrough Innovation Challenge. And of course, then we'll be joined by Isar Basafanazad and Rob Fish, and they're going to tell us about the IEEE and their activities in Hawaii. Okay, so let's just uh, get right into it. I want to welcome Kareem Ilasi and Arif Rahman. And they're from um, UH and a company called the Hawaii Innovation Lab. And um, they sort of describe themselves as a healthcare technology innovation startup. And they're here to tell us about the UH Breakthrough Innovation Challenge. Welcome to the show. Thank you. So, uh, Kareem, I guess I'll start with you and, and tell me a little bit about, uh, you know, this whole UH Breakthrough Challenge. I mean, what, uh, what was it that attracted you folks in terms of participating in it? So, we have been participating in many of uh, PACE programs that basically prepares young entrepreneurs for the real world. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. Kind, kind of like the shark tank. So PACE, uh, and remind me, what, what does PACE stand for? So it's the Pacific, uh, Pacific Entrepreneur uh, Students, Business Students for at UH Manoa. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's managed by uh, Childler School mm-hmm. at UH and has multiple programs for this kind of preparation, starting from like pitch party where students pitch their uh, business idea in one minute or less than one minute to uh, summer lunch pad and then this uh, breakthrough innovation where we send a uh, two-minute video pitching our idea. Then next step, go to the finalist. Uh, four teams go to the finalist to pitch their ideas in 10, in ten minutes. And there is uh, a judge that mm-hmm. give the, like, there is a committee that judges their business idea. And then the, 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 the last step or one of the biggest steps is to apply for the business uh, innovation challenge where, you, where we submit a whole report of business plan. Now, Arifa, uh, the company is called Hawaii Innovation Lab, and, and basically it's, it's your company, and you've started it a couple of years ago. Tell me a little bit about it, and, and what is it that you folks are actually focused in on doing? Uh, thank you for having us here, Bart. Sure. Um, so Hawaii Innovation Laboratory is a company. We develop healthcare technology. We started our journey in 2017. Uh, we are currently working on four projects. Two projects is uh, related to uh, in vitro fertilization, embryo, this kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. two other projects is related to using liquid, non-toxic liquid metal for different applications. Mm-hmm. So the project which got uh, award in last business innovation, uh, breakthrough innovation champion uh, competition, uh, that project is on a liquid metal cooling vest, uh, which is, uh, in a, is a cooling vest a uh, wearer can wear. Uh, it's an untethered, untethered cooling vest, which is not connected to anything, but it can cool down the body of the wearer for prolonged uh, period of time, like 8 to 10 hours, which is unlike than what, what is the uh, current state of art. So the uh, cooling vest, are you using some of that liquid metal as a way of keeping the, the vest cool? Yes. So we are using liquid metal as a primary coolant, mm-hmm. and there is another secondary coolant. And we use low-power DC pump to pump the liquid metal, which is going to carry the, the, the body heat of the wearer to the secondary coolant. Uh, and circulate throughout. This is how it is is cooling the, the the body of the wearer. And the best thing about our cooling vest is uh, is like uh, 
one-tenth of the cost and one-third of the weight and, and also can run four times compared to the cooling vest which is currently in the market. Now, you have, uh, you're a postdoc from University of Hawaii in the uh, electrical engineering department and has a lot of the, the um, products that you are now working on a result of some of the research that you were doing over at UH? Uh, yes. So I, I completed my PhD from University of Hawaii in 2018. Mm -hmm. During my PhD, I developed two of the projects, which still we are working on, and other two I developed later. Uh, the focus of this company is to commercialize all those four projects and, 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 and make a, a scalable and, and a repeatable business model and take it to the consumer from the academic research to the consumer. Now, Kareem, you know, in, in terms of uh, applying to the, you know, the whole breakthrough innovation challenge, uh, was it just a matter of submitting a video or did you have to go through a process by which to get your project introduced to, you know, wh whatever the process was, ultimately getting to the judges? Yeah, so definitely it's it's very easy if you have uh, like infinite time to say whatever you, you want. But mm -hmm. to explain your business idea in two minutes, that's extremely challenging. So Reef and I has to go through a lot of iterations to prepare our two-minute video to, to reach the finalist. And then at the end, we had uh, a mentor, uh, Noel, who helped us to prepare for the final presentation because it's also very challenging to present like one year work in five minutes. You're right. So I, I take it, you know, you applied for this, but there was a process by which there were some mentors that sort of yes. coached you and, and helped you with whatever the two-minute video was or the actual pitch was going to be. Yes. And you actually were the, you know, you were part of a, a cohort of four finalists. And, and um, Arif, I mean, how many do you think teams actually were part of the whole challenge? I guess about 20, 20 to 22 teams participated in the first round. Uh, everybody submitted two minutes video. Uh, there's a panel of judge who went through all the videos and selected four finalists, and we were among one of the four finalists. Um, from the four finalists, we presented in front of another panel of judge in front of the audience. Uh, then based on our uh, five minutes final presentation, uh, the award was uh, is given to, to the two, two companies. So, uh, um uh, Karim, I mean, what do you what do you foresee happening with the company uh, going you know going forward? The uh, Hawaii Innovation Lab. I mean, you're just still kind of in school, uh, Arif. I mean, you're you're postdoc. You're kind of out of it, out of school. But uh, you do you have plans? I mean, what are the plans for the Hawaii Innovation Lab going forward? So we are having uh, many product lines. So we we are going to focus on one product at a time. So currently. That, that project that we won uh, in the Breakthrough Innovation mm -hmm. is taking our focus, which is the cooling vest. So we will proceed this uh, developing the product and making more market surveying and then hopefully patenting, filing a patent for this product, then start to commercialize that product. And then when we when we are done from the cooling vest, then we will work on another pro product. Oh, very good. So, uh, Arif, I mean, where can people go to find out more information about uh, not only Hawaii Innovation Lab, but the, some of the products, the cool projects you guys are working on? Uh, we have a, uh, we have an updated uh, website. Uh, I'll invite you guys to visit our website to know more about our company and the product. Uh, it's www.hawaiiinnovationlab.com. Oh, very good. That's pretty easy. So I'll put that up on our show notes for later on. Thanks, Kareem and Arif, for joining us. Thank, Thank you, you very Thank much you for having us here. And, of course, we'll take a short break. And when we return, we'll be joined by Isar Masafanazad and Rob Fish. And we'll talk about the Institute 
of electrical and electronics engineers in Hawaii. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Bush Consulting and Island Insurance. It seems like whatever I'm listening to at the time is my favorite. For instance, yesterday I totally loved a Radio Lab story that made me feel like I wasn't alone in the world. Somebody who'd gone through the same things I had. And then I listened to Wait, Wait and had a driveway moment that I just couldn't leave the car. Aloha, I'm Carol Kahn from Pawilo on the Big Island, and I'm a sustaining member of Hawaii Public Radio. Welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe, and I'm glad to welcome Dr. Isar Masafanazad and Dr. Rob Fish, and of course, Isar is the founder and CEO of Nalu Scientific, and Rob is on the faculty at Princeton University and the president of the IEEE Standards Association and a member of the board of directors of the IEEE. Welcome to Bite Marks Cafe. Hi. Well, thank you for having us, Bert. Now, Rob, you know, uh, I will give you all the uh, sort of tough questions because, uh, you know, <laughs> since you have the you know illustrious... Uh, title of uh, a part of the board of directors and, and president of the uh, Standards Association. Uh, tell us a little bit about the IEEE. I know it's, you know, it's been around for a while, but uh, probably not too many people know of the, the real sort of impact that the IEEE has had on a lot of the technologies that we commonly use and probably take for granted. Well, the IEEE has been around since uh, 1884 in one form or another. So uh, one of the original founders was Thomas Edison, um, and uh, the current IEEE was formed in the early 1960s by the merger of uh, essentially the electrical engineers with the radio uh, or wireless engineers. And today, it's a global organization with about 420,000 members with many disciplines, computer, uh, communications. We have uh, microwave techniques. Uh, undersea, oceanic engineering, ferromagnetics, you name it, we have a society that deals with it. And uh, we're in 160 countries, so IEEE can really reach out and, and anyone can be a member. Now, Rob, you are uh, president of the uh, Standards Association, and you know there's uh, so many standards out there, but of course the one that comes to mind to me for me is like... Uh, uh, 802.3, and, and tell us just a little bit about what is it that the Standards Association does, and how does that impact us in terms of some of the consumer electronics that we use in our everyday lives? Well, the Standard Organization is a place that uh, technologists can come together and produce standards. Uh, we're very well known for both our communication standards. You mentioned the 802.3, which is Ethernet. Uh, also, 802.11, which is Wi-Fi. Uh, we're not good at naming things. We like numbers because we're engineers. But um, uh, we also do many electrical standards. So the entire electrical grid in Hawaii and every place else is built uh, in the United States or North America is built to uh, IEEE standards. And uh, so uh, it's basically a bunch of engineers who think they have a good way to make things work together. And they come together and they meet for some period of time and produce a standard. And then manufacturers who, who uh, build equipment to that standard can pretty much understand that it's going to work with 
other manufacturers' goods that also build to that standard. So that's a win-win for everyone. Now, Isar, uh, you know, I've had you on uh, a couple times talking about uh, Nalu Scientific and and uh, that's a, a, a your company, and it's doing some really great stuff. And I know you're cutting cutting edge in terms of the uh, uh, work that you do. But you're also very active in the IEEE. And tell us a little bit about you know your role or your sort of uh, uh, interest in being uh, an active participant in the IEEE. Absolutely. Thanks for having me here again, Bert. Uh, it's always a pleasure to be here. So. Uh, yeah, we are designing uh, integrated circuits, microchips, mm-hmm. and uh, these integrated circuits need to essentially operate and with other microchips or other equipment. So there's interfacing that happens. So lots of s- standards that we use already in our day to day. So um, uh, the the way that we I've interfaced with IEEE has been, you know, it's it's a matter of volunteering my time, and you know, uh, as an entrepreneur and also as an engineer, you know, there are lots of problems that that I see. So uh, one of the ways that I've been helping is the, you know, entrepreneurship, uh, you know, policy mm-hmm. uh, within IEEE. So I've been part of the EPIC community, which is the Entrepreneurship and Policy uh, Committee. And we're trying to come up with, with ways that we can uh, position IEEE as a, as a body of knowledge for uh, not only just engineers, but also other uh, parts of society that can come to and, and get some answers uh, informed so that, so that they can make informed decisions. You know, and a- as a student uh, going through whatever coursework, whether it's undergrad or graduate work, uh, I found, at, you know, when I was going to school that the IEEE, in terms of a lot of the, whether it's the proceedings or papers that were written in in the area of your field of interest is is really kind of important and i think as a as a like you said a body of knowledge i mean a lot of the students are really dependent on some of the things that come out of the IEEE. it's more than the students it's uh you know it's what gets published there is has value and weight so uh you know when you're doing r&d they're in within research world or within company world you rely a lot on other people's knowledge that has been published through conferences or or very heavyweight journals essentially that that really are uh, have the cutting edge uh, of the technology essentially so yeah so both the students faculty members, mm-hmm. uh, engineers at top-notch companies, they all subscribe uh, one way or another, another to the uh, you know published information that comes out of IEEE and journals, yeah. Now, Rob, uh, you know, you have all these, uh, you know, sort of uh, high titles, like the on the board of directors of IEEE, and as well as, uh, you know, being the president of the uh, Standards Association, and, and you're over there uh, at Princeton University. But you actually spend a fair amount of time in Hawaii as well, and we've met and we've We've uh, hung out, and what is um, what do you think? I guess in in terms of characterizing IEEE's interest in being active in Hawaii, how would you try to characterize that? Well, uh, as I mentioned, we operate all around the world. We have a section there in Hawaii, um, and uh, meetings every month. So, uh, if you happen to be in Makiki, <laughs> you can come to our meetings uh, once a month. Um, but, uh, you know, Hawaii sort of is the center of the Pacific, and uh, it's a great meeting place for technologists from Asia and the Americas and uh, all around the Pacific Rim to come together. Um, and uh, so we've done a, a lot of work in Hawaii. And, of course, uh, within the aisles themselves, it's a great place that has uh, opportunities both for uh, highly urban areas, but also communications and technology for more rural areas and agricultural areas. So 
all of them put together make a, a great uh, laboratory, if you will, for high technology. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. uh, so we're really trying to, to boost that activity through bringing some of our major conferences here and also having regular events uh, in, in Hawaii uh, that uh, we can bring the whole technology community together with um, to, to uh, talk to each other and network and hopefully do something good for Hawaii as well. Well, you know, we I do want to talk about some of the, the uh, conferences that are coming up. And, and, and Isar, you know, you kind of described IEEE as, a, as a, a member organization. And how would you, what, is that, what exactly is a member organization? I mean, it's something that obviously members will benefit from. But in your words, I mean, what, what would be some of those benefits? Yeah, so there is uh, their membership dues yearly. You know, it's in the order of, you know, hundreds of dollars, you know, less than two or three hundred dollars a year membership, essentially, uh, both for international. If you're a student, you get a huge discount, for example. Mm -hmm. Some companies pay for membership of their employees at, at such organizations. But uh, what this means is, uh, you know, Rob can probably explain that a little bit more, but it's really driven by volunteers, you know, people that are, IEEE members also volunteer a lot of their time in running, you know, technical societies or running young professionals groups or other, uh, uh, other essentially either events or actual publications. So, uh, and that that's one of the things that makes it really great, but also uh, lean and mean. So that's why the membership dues are so low because it really relies on a, on a body of knowledge that volunteers its time. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Rob, uh, so in terms of uh, being a member organization, I mean, what would you, how would you describe some of the key benefits and how would you like to kind of raise the awareness of the IEEE here in Hawaii as a member organization? Well, um, I'll say two things about that. One is, uh, first of all, is, as Isar said, it's a member-driven organization, member-governed. Um, you know, I'm a volunteer. I have you mentioned you've mentioned my title several times. <laughs> you can get any kind of title if you're not getting paid, and I'm certainly not getting paid. But uh, um, you know, really, IEEE is about community. It's about a community of technologists working together, learning from each other. In fact, our motto is "Technology for Humanity," and uh, it's very important for IEEE members to uh, members and volunteers to think that their work is not only for themselves or you know, for their own careers, but for helping the public at large, for humanity at large. And that's really the key of why we volunteer so much time in, in IEEE. Did, would you, uh, let's say, in terms of trying to raise the awareness of IEEE, I mean, I, and, you know, I've been doing this show for going on, you know, 12 years now, but uh, in terms of trying to, let's say, be more present in, in Hawaii? I mean, how, would, how would, um, would more members help to contribute to that? Or how would more members perhaps move the technology agenda in Hawaii? Uh, and, and how can IEEE help to foster that? Well, I think that's, that's a great question. Uh, obviously, uh, as I said, we depend on our membership, our volunteers to, to do things in Many places around the world, we've uh, built uh, various kinds of uh, models of technology for communications, for uh, IoT is a big issue now, mm -hmm. uh, Internet of Things. So, uh, for instance, smart agriculture uh, and uh, a variety of uh, smart um, 
smart technologies that might help people in their lives. I think uh, more people we have doing that, the more we can do for Hawaii. And uh, certainly uh, we'd love to have more people to, to turn to and to talk to uh, about those kinds of things. Well, you know, I do want to also uh, ask you both about the upcoming conferences because I think that has a lot to say about how IEEE kind of not only contributes to but helps to foster this relationship with the, with the technologies. We'll hold that thought. We'll be right back after this short break to continue our conversation with both Isar Mustafanasad and Rob Fish about the IEEE. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Pacific Database, Chaminade University, and Hastings and Pleadwell, a communication company. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum, and if you're just joining us, uh, we're talking to Isar Mustafanazad. He's in the studio, and Rob Fish calling in from somewhere on the East Coast, I think, is where it's cold. And we're talking about the IEEE, or the Institute for Electrical and Electronic Engineers, and, of course, uh, how they support the engineering community in Hawaii. And, of course, uh, you know, what we wanted to do was talk a little bit about some of the events that are coming up, because... You know, part of, again, uh, you know, I mentioned IEEE has been a long time um, organization. All the students in engineering know about it. And I think they foster a good uh, sort of relationship and a pathway upon which students can continue some of their learning. But, you know, the actual conferences that come up are also a great way to learn about some of the state-of-the-art things that are happening. And, and Rob, you've been involved with the, the, the planning of this uh, conference coming up in December called Globecom. So maybe tell us a little bit about that. Well, Globecom is uh, for, uh, produced by the IEEE Communication Society, one of the 46 societies and councils within IEEE. Uh, communication Society is the largest uh, volunteer society for communications and networking technology in the world, and we hold uh, uh, once a year a conference called Globecom, or a Global Communications Conference. It goes all around the world, and this year in December, uh, starting on the 9th of December in Waikoloa on the big island, uh, we're going to be holding Globecom here in Hawaii, and it's uh, going to be five days of events, uh, industry-oriented events, research events, keynote speakers, uh, education and tutorials. So this is a great chance for you to see the global best in communications uh, right here, right here in Hawaii. And 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 who are you uh, um, expecting as participants or attendees at at Globecom? Well, uh, Globecom usually attracts a couple of thousand people every year, um, and uh, there'll be technologists and uh, industry people from around the world, really, who who you know. Whatever they do in December, they always come to Globecom. And uh, also, we're going to be cooperating with the University of Hawaii at Hilo, who are going to be bringing some of their students over, and uh, the students will be participating in the events as well. So it's a great opportunity both for the local uh, technology community as well as uh, the global com- uh, community to sort of get together and talk about the latest issues in uh, communications and networking. Really cutting-edge research is the key element of, of Globecom, and that's what you'll expect to hear there. Now, Isar, as a, as a um, 
PhD, uh, you know, in terms of uh, the work you do in, in electrical engineering and, you know, the, the sort of the cutting edge uh, work that Nalu Scientific does, uh, how would you like to take advantage of, of, of Globecom and the things that they might talk about at that conference? Yeah, that's a great question. I happen to be actually a communications engineer myself, too, mm -hmm. so I'm all passionate about it. The, the work that we do today is not exactly in the communications field, but we borrow a lot from that technology. So um, I'm always looking forward to looking at the latest, greatest that's out there, and we build a lot on top of that. So mm -hmm. that will be my way of trying to interact and, and learn from that. Now, you've, you've talked to me a lot about how to foster more uh, of this kind of not only – uh, technical growth, but entrepreneurial growth within the community in in Hawaii, and uh, you know, in in terms of uh, how you see things sort of unfolding, not only from an entrepreneur and a and a, a startup company, but you know, with some of these activities that perhaps the IEEE can bring to the table, how do you see maybe building more momentum around the technical development of resources here in Hawaii? One of the things that Globcom is actually going to have this year is called the Innovations Lab mm -hmm. or Innovations Area. That they, they, they do have exhibits area. You know, the traditional companies are going to be out there. All the big names are going to be there. But mm -hmm. also they also have this uh, Innovations Lab that, you know, Knowledge Scientific will probably be a part of. And, you know, a few university groups will be out there, too. So it's just a place for, you know, people that or companies that have a smaller budget or or are in the innovation space, entrepreneurial space to actually show up and, and show face and, and connect so these are, I think, the, some of the steps that have been taken. Young professionals is another area that probably plugs in really well. And, you know, even if you're not an entrepreneur, you know, the uh, IEEE definitely, you know, supports the entrepreneur's spirit. You know, even if you're a, a young professional uh, and just starting your, your new job or new career, you know, it's, it always helps to have that mindset. And so... Um, well, I'm glad you brought up yeah. young professionals because uh, Arif, who we had earlier, is part of that young professional group that you refer to, and what is that? What is that group? Is it is it an actual entity, or are they just you know a, a gathering of, of volunteers that call themselves young professionals? That's a good question too. Yeah. So IEEE has the definition as the you know if it's 15 years after your first uh, you know uh, professional degree essentially, mm -hmm. then you're considered young professional. You mm -hmm. might be in your f uh, you know 50s, but you got your electrical engineering degree when you were 35. Mm -hmm. So you know you're still considered young professional. You know? Okay. Um, well, so that counts me out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that that actually is uh, is a, essentially a group that kind of is a super. Uh, superposition. You, you could be in, in different technical societies mm -hmm. of IEEE, but if you're a, a young professional, you could you know find ways to connect and network within the society, attend events or similar things. Yeah. Now, uh, Rob, um, <clears throat> real quickly, can you tell us a little bit about another conference that's coming up in January called Comms Futures? Yeah, so Comms Futures is a one-day event uh, for all the people in, the, in communications and interested in communications on Oahu, we're going to be holding it on Saturday, January 18th, right before the Pacific Telecommunications Conference that's happening at the Hilton Waikoloa. One day, cost to come is under $100, and we'll have a great day of talks on things like uh, undersea communications, optical networking, smart agriculture, uh, AI and network management, and blockchain techn technology ethics. All of these things are going to be boiled down into a form that the general public can, can understand. So we're really looking forward to doing that uh, uh, 
in January. Sounds good. So, Isar, is there a website for ComFutures? Yes, it is actually comfutures2020.ieee-comfutures.org. So it'll probably be on your website. I'll put that up on our website. So, of course, Dr. Isar Mustafanazad is the co-founder and CEO of NALU Scientific. And Dr. Rob Fish is on the faculty of Princeton and, of course, president of IEEE Standards Association and a member of the board of directors of the IEEE. I want to thank you both for joining us today. And of course. having me. Thank you for listening to Bite Mars Cafe. Join us next week when we will find out about the United Nations Local 2030 Hub. If you missed any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org. And if you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to email me at bitemarks at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter. I'm at bitemarks. Our engineer is David Chong. You can catch us on HPR, HPR One every Wednesday or anytime via the HPR app, iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. You stay awesome. Happy Thanksgiving, and we'll see you next week on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe. Hey.